everyone, this is Leland Bappas. I am one of the private bankers with Lee Chandler. And today you are going to listen to a great discussion by the asset team. Uh, some of the analysts in the asset team are going to give their perspectives and their personal views on uh, billionaire or billionaire status. And as you guys know, our firm works a lot with finance, money, investments. And so it's just, it's just interesting to, ha to have different takes on investing. So here we go. You're listening to the Commercial Finance Podcast by Lee Chandler, where we discuss industry insights, tips about lending, capital finance, business acquisitions. The worst investment you can have is cash. Real estate acquisitions. Your financial advice depends on who you are. And everything in between. This is the Commercial Finance Podcast. All right. So today our topic is going to be on is it ethical to be a billionaire? So my stance on it is that it's not ethical. Because to be able to be able to reach the status of being a billionaire, I feel that there must be some sort of exploitation that has to happen for you to be able to gain so much resources. Um so uh, I, I'm discussing on this topic about why it is okay to be a billionaire. And uh, my stance on it is that while they do have a lot of money, you don't become a billionaire by uh, making a lot of other people rich and a lot of other people uh, well off as well. Uh, so I kind of sort of agree with um, with Christian here that uh, although you do become a billionaire you don't have it doesn't have to be unethical for you to be a billionaire you worked hard for the money you have and it's your right to have it if you haven't done anything illegal of course well I mean one can look at a billionaire as if a dragon hoarding you know a pile of gold right so now you got a billionaire hoarding resources from the rest of the nation, and these resources could be used to pay back, you know, entitlement programs, you know, to, to the deficit, or even current entitlement programs, where people that are less fortunate need the money, right? Um, you know, it's is it ethical, maybe, maybe not, but you know, having one person containing all this cash doesn't make much sense in the big scope of things yeah and Anna your point of if it's not illegal have you ever heard of lobbying yes of course it is something that every almost everybody does nowadays yeah so very um, large corporations pay lots of money for lobbyists to go and influence Congress to pass specific laws that will benefit them for instance, this one that was uh, quite controversial where California apparently makes it now illegal to collect rainwater because it hurts the businesses of the water companies within California. What do you think of that? Don't you think that's like, that's like daylight robbery? That, those are crooks. 
I, I, I will give you that, that that is not exactly the most ethical way of going about becoming a billionaire, but you also have to admit that if we look at the law, it's not, the law here is not, they're not doing anything against the law. The people that we elected to maintain those laws are the ones who are at fault. If you keep going on and giving leeway to these people, they're just taking advantages of the situation as it is. Yes, they're taking advantage of the situation. They like have the everybody power to does. But they have the power to influence. They have an unfair power to influence. Well, how is it unfair? They too started at the bottom like everybody else. Yes, they did. And they got lucky. And now they want everyone else to stay at the bottom while they stay at the top. But but isn't there a lot of risk in starting a business? Nine out of ten businesses fail. You're usually taking on a lot of your own personal debt. Uh, you usually don't even start paying yourself until five years after the business started while you're paying everyone else who's working for you. Don't you deserve uh, some more money for taking that risk? and knowing that most businesses do fail um, and the fact that you took the initiative to start that business and have made other people wealthy along the way. If you look at Amazon, their global headcount is uh, 600,000 and indirectly, uh, Amazon's third-party marketplace has uh, 5 million market sellers, uh, 100.7 million market sellers, and 1. million new market sellers in the last year, and uh, 1,400 marketplace sellers made over $100,000 in sales. So when you say that, while yes, uh, people like Jeff Bezos have made a lot of money, they've also made a lot of other people very wealthy. I mean, if you look at their uh, market cap, it's $1.6 trillion. So I mean, Jeff Bezos worth what 160 billion dollars so he's made a lot of other people um a lot of money over the long run too not just himself that is true and i'm not gonna contest that but how many of those people compared to those who are still under very unfavorable conditions to what point does it become a social responsibility for you to do something with the power and the ability of your hard work that has given it to yourself to do something for the community yeah, you have a lot of billionaires that, that give back to the community. I mean, take Bill Gates, for example. He gave about 46 billions, plus he created a foundation to help people. It's not, it's not that they don't give back, they do. But most of the time, when you take a look at the scope of things, you all see the money. Most people see the money and they don't actually see how much of that is being given back. Yeah, you see, that, that is true, but the same thing can be said. I'm going to segue to an idea of, of gun control. Not everyone who has a gun makes it, um, makes it a, um, uses it in a, in a violent way, but even though there's very strong lobbies trying to ban the, the sale of firearms to people who don't, haven't registered for it. Same thing for billionaires. Not everyone must, uh, not every billionaire is actually bad or it doesn't help the community, but the, the fact that some don't really leaves a lot of, um, it doesn't allow for the, how do I put this, sorry. Um, 
those who don't help as billionaires hold the society back as hold it back compared to what the economy would be if they did help i hope that makes sense actually it does but you also have to consider the fact that most of those people are the ones who help pull the country out when there's a re- when a recession hits they are the ones with enough wealth to actually create jobs to pick the economy back up so if they were to give most of their their, their wealth away when the recession hit they won't have enough to actually do anything with it and the country gets stuck in a, in a state of perpetual recession until you finally come up with a plan but by then the damage is already done but what would you say about the 36,000 homeless living in LA right now wouldn't they, don't they deserve at least some sort of decent living conditions that could be provided by taxing the wealthy i i i do believe that they deserve that but the fact that most people because what i believe is that even though people are giving away giving um some of their wealth away for charitable um um purposes it's not always the best option because in some cases the best option is to do- give somebody a job rather than just hand them money so whatever tax break they get they use to build more businesses create more jobs which in return helps those who do not have any yeah but so, you're saying give them a job when most production in the US is moved to China you know if nobody's producing anything in the US then how are they going to have jobs when these said billionaires are moving everything overseas and keeping nothing here what jobs are you talking about i i think i think that's a that's a false statement i don't think china has all of our jobs there i think it's taken a lot of manufacturing oh, jobs but that's what i'm saying production we're, we're, we're not producing there's, anything here we're just we only thing we're producing here is probably um tech software uh some oil The, yeah yeah the, but there's the still coal, there's coal still production good jobs of four years of coal production wasn't up until four years ago when Trump was inaugurated um what else are we producing like I can't even name th- anything we're producing besides you know food you know just simple things we're not producing anything we're not the the power the power horse of production like we were you know pre-world war two after that most of our industrial complex was moved to China But, but it, is that a bad thing? America's become more of a service economy rather than a manufacturing economy, uh, which service economies do generally bring in more revenue than manufacturing and do create just as many jobs. I don't think it's necessarily bad that the economy is changing. This is the same argument before the industrial revolution happened. A lot of people were very angry that people were moving uh from these farms uh to the big cities to have these jobs and thought it was going to ruin the economy they thought um a lot of like local businesses uh that like you know created their own shirts and um you know created their own sh- shoes were convinced that these big giant manufacturing corporations that are making you know shoes and uh clothing a lot less expensive they were convinced that you know a lot of americans were convinced that this big business was going to actually uh ruin America's economy over the long run when the opposite was true and America has grown to be um 
the biggest economy in the world since then. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that the economy is changing. Uh, usually, it, it's it's just changing. I don't think that's necessarily bad. I mean, even if you look at it like this, um, there's a lot of farming farming incentive programs. You know how the American uh, you know farming complex moved from families farming, like having individual farms, to you know one or two, one to ten people having you know a large like their own stake in a large industrial complex for farming, right? So now we got an incentive to overproduce, you know, food. Am I? You, would you agree with me? Because now we have the government involved in assisting farmers in production of food. So now we have people overpurchasing food. How many of you here have actually eaten all the food in your fridge after a grocery trip? Most people throw away their food. You know, they they buy too much. We overconsume, and now yeah. we have a new problem. Now we have a new problem moving in with the next 60, 56 years of the topsoil in America being stripped of all of its nutrients. That doesn't replenish after a thousand until like a thousand years afterwards, all because of overproduction. Because you know, millionaire and billionaire farmers they want to produce as much so that way they can sell the excess to foreign nations, and because you know not only are foreign nations purchasing like half our food but also americans they're, they're purchasing all this food but only eating probably what 20, 25 to 50 percent of it and they're throwing, throwing the rest away i i see what you're saying but you're assuming that farming technology isn't going to change at all in the next 50 years farming technology is going to change and be a lot different in 50 years wouldn't you agree with that that I, wow it it would it would but those who, the companies that will create this farming technology will probably overprice it and start making money off of exploiting farmers. I, I, I disagree. I, I disagree with that just because uh, farming is you can't really specialize. Like it's a lot harder to specialize. Whereas like Apple or Amazon, um, you're all kind of selling the same product. So there'd be a lot of uh, competition in the market, which would drive down prices because I don't think you'd be able to really get. Uh, monopoly over growing food, but so there will be, but there will be two or three. There will be two or three uh, companies that are on the top. Like for instance, Anthony said that um, the top soil and nutrients are being depleted. They're gonna come up with ways, of course, to rectify that situation. But it's not gonna come free. They're gonna charge us. Gonna exploit us. But you, know, you, how Christian, you were saying that you know we we transitioned from you know a manufacturing economy to a service economy, and you know you're welcoming the homeless population in Los Angeles, you know to you know take part of the service economy. What, but what exactly? What services exactly would a homeless person offer that is currently homeless? What would they offer to the general population? Like, what are they trained in? What could they easily be trained in? What's the transition going to be like? Um, you know, what I'm thinking is that manufacturing has a low barrier entry compared to services. Services are skilled, are skilled, you know, you know, employment. How much is it a cost to really train all these homeless people? And are billionaires, yeah, yeah, pay for this are billionaires willing to pay for that training? Of, of, of course. Um, so there's a lot of technical skills and technical colleges that you can go to. Um, if, if you are in this situation, uh, that do pay very well, if you can get it like being an electrician and a plumber, and there's a lot of grants to actually go to the, uh, go to those 
um, those schools. I think also we're kind of saying, I, I think we're looking at um, like the homeless population. I think we're looking at it the wrong way. I think um, as someone who has had a, people um, in their family that have struggled with mental health, uh, the homeless population, part of the problem with it as well is a lot of them, you know, might have some mental health issues that they need to have be taken care of that are not be taken care of. If you look at it, um, and I think that they're, they're usually uh, the reasons for someone uh, being homeless go a lot deeper than just simply not having a lot of jobs, than, than just simply a job not being available. There's uh, usually other things going on. And I think it's, we're overlooking uh, those factors. Um, when just looking at the homeless population yeah and i think that like you know proper uh mental health care proper care for mental health and stuff like that is also very important and is what we probably should be investing more in um when looking at the homeless population. so you agree that we should be using billionaires money to fund mental hospitals to get the mental care mental and health care that both homeless and the Amer- general american population care, uh, needs well, no, I, I was I was just saying that uh, it, it goes beyond. Ooh, I got you. I got you. Job not being available. <laughs> All I said was it's just, and you you gotta look at if you start if you start taking billionaires' money, right? What's the first thing they're gonna cut? What, what are are they gonna just say? Okay, you, you can have my money. Like I'll just not be a billionaire. The first thing that any company does when they get their taxes increased, or uh, is they start cutting stuff, right? So they won't cut jobs immediately. What they'll start doing is they'll start uh, cutting non-discretionary uh, spending, which will hurt people in other industries that are benefiting from that. And if you keep on increasing taxes, then they'll actually start cutting jobs, which then will actually create its own homeless problem. If you start taxing billionaires at this high level, they're not just going to say okay that's fine like i'm just gonna keep paying everyone else the same and take all these pay cuts that's not like that's not how people think i mean i could also say the opposite where if they want to make up lost revenue from taxes they'd want to increase production so they wouldn't want to invest more into the infrastructure to kind of either maintain their previous income or generate even more i i mean it, it depends on the, it depends on the com the company and the industry that they're in Sometimes they're already at that max production, right? And sometimes increasing production isn't actually going to bring them in more profit. I think um, that it really depends on the company. Yeah. Well, it's like you said, it's like a, um, yeah, a, lot, of, com- a lot of companies like things. Apple. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you look, com- sorry, go. No, sorry, sorry. Where it's it's a, no, it's you, a Zoom you, call. You can go. Okay, so like I was saying, it's like, you know, like how you said it was a service industry, you know, there's not much to produce. It's mostly just the trade of services. So like, um, say like how you you were mentioning Apple, like Apple's mostly a hardware company, but they also produce a lot of software. You know, there's not there's not much harm in produ- overproducing a software because now you have um, a plethora of intellectual properties to kind of sell off slowly or, you know, build upon later on. Same thing with, um, I don't know, what what other service industries are there? Like, well, well I mean, I guess. using using Apple as an example, right? Their their profits have actually decreased over the the last few years, 
And the, the way they've kept their stock up is by buying back $200 billion uh, a stock. So I, if they could just simply increase production and bring in more revenue, I think they'd be doing that right now. I think that if you look at a company like Apple, they've kind of hit their hit their market cap for now until they find new ways to innovate or um, until they find new ways to innovate. And I think taxing uh, big companies like that would, would kill innovation and actually uh, hurt us in the long run. I'm waiting for their Apple car. Tired of driving my Chevy <laughs> Malibu. I want I want to drive my car with a touchscreen. That's all I want these days. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel that. But Christian, what about the um, exploitation that this company do, do to other less fortunate countries and people? Yeah, how many Chinese people have committed suicide? You know, after building an iPhone. Actually, you know, I'm gonna blame that on. Well, not blame exactly, but I'm gonna say it's partly the, the the fault of the the government of that country. Sometimes they have no choice, to be honest. Yeah, I understand the fact that they have no choice because you have a country that's more powerful than you, and you could really use the business, and you know you have a lot of things going on that push you into making the choice. But if it, you you have to be able to put your foot down at what one point or at the other and say okay I can allow this and I can allow that but this I will I, I shouldn't I, I'm the head of this country I, I this is my country I care about it and I don't want you to do this kind of thing even though it's gonna save you millions and millions of dollars the lives of my people are worth more than that you know sometimes people brush over the complexities of running country sometimes it's not as nuanced as people as uh, direct as people think for instance like you could put your foot down but let's say this company was going to come increase jobs and remove and reduce your unemployment rate for 15% to 5% so because of that you're going to say no or how are people going to look at you and the big companies they know this and that's why they target these companies to decrease their costs and to increase their profits in the long run yeah but you also have to consider sorry um i was gonna say that you have to consider i i understand that point like i've lived it so i understand it but my point is if you are worried about the fact that they might go somewhere else take the african continent for example my country i'm from togo like i mentioned before in west africa and my country is very good at producing phosphate we have a lot of phosphate um, mines and stuff and the thing is we don't price our own phosphate the french friends will come in and set their price regardless of whether it's fair or not and the reason why we don't actually rebuke it is because of of the fact that we're worried they might go somewhere else but if all the the the, the phosphate producing companies uh, uh, countries in the african on the african continent bend together and say this is the price that we're going to set regardless of where you go they will have no other choice but to accept it uh, uh one one last one last thing uh this this will be my last comment uh, going back to the um, effect that um, the idea that companies are exploiting a lot of other countries. Uh, if you look at China, um, 
Today, uh, China has over 100 million wealthy people, each owning a net worth of over $110,000. Um, that's a 17-fold increase from 2001. Where, so if you look at it, like over the, like have some con- have some companies done some pretty unethical things before that have hurt people. Yes, they have, but that's not the full story. They've also made uh, a lot of people in these other countries. Uh, money and have helped actually pull them out of out of poverty. I I think that just saying that they're simply everything that they're doing is bad is is the wrong way to look at it. And also, I think on that point too, like I think it's all uh, it's also not entirely the fault of the head of the company. Yes, they are billionaires. Yes, they are the head of the company and they're in charge of everything. But You also have to consider the fact that they, they, they have hundreds, if not millions of thousands of people working with for them. They can't keep an eye on every single decision made. So uh, on that level, saying that they're taking, uh, they're, they're taking advantages of causing people's death, yes, that's a bad look, but in some cases, most people don't exactly know the day-to-day of what's happening in the company. And on that point, um, I think we should wrap things up. <clears throat> uh, we had some great talking points here. Um, you know, maybe we can continue this discussion next time or we can just agree to disagree. But, you know, we have, it's a pretty stark comparison between the two, the two, you know, sides. Um, yeah. Thank you for listening. Um, my name is Anaya Sor, and this podcast was made by me, um, Anthony Cardis, Christian Yuri. How do you pronounce your name again, Christian? Yuri, it's okay. Yuri, okay. And um, Paul, uh, Paul Mugo. Thank you. Hey, Leland Baptist here. And if you're looking to add investments to your portfolio, maybe something outside of the stock market, something you can put your hands on, that could be an established business. It can also be uh, investment real estate, okay? But you're having trouble because maybe you need a team. You're realizing that you can't do it all on your own. You need people to help you with the analysis, the acquisition, the strategies, the capital raising. Heck, you just need help, right? Well, if that's the case, you're in luck. We have a program in a group called Asset Builders Club. Asset Builders Club or ABC. And if this sounds like something that has great interest for you, then all you have to do is this. Go to assets2freedom.com. That is assets2freedom.com. A-S-S-E-T-S, the number two, freedom.com. And we'll see you on the inside.